let's just pray that God just move. Let's just make this easy. So, Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for all these little kiddos, and we ask your blessing on them. Thank you for your presence with them. And thank you, Lord, for the people who brought them to church today. We just ask right now for your presence and for your movement. Lord God, you have been here, and I thank you that you came and that you filled our worship today. Lord, we ask you to bless, Lord God, this, this time and let us grow in you right now. In Jesus' name. So, I'm just going to, we're going we're gonna to just cut this way down. I'm not going <laughs> to. Now, now, he's probably the only one that feels that way. But I thank you, David. I thank you for, for uh, that encouragement. Let's just, I'm just going to follow God right now, okay? So, um, I want to entitle this message, Where Have You Left Jesus? And um, that might sound strange, but it'll get clear at the end of this thing. But the reality is that nobody in this room, when you were a little kid and they asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, nobody said something that they thought would just be ordinary. You know, we wanted to be astronauts or pilots or policemen or Maybe you wanted to be a farmer, but it was because you didn't think that was ordinary. You thought going out to the field and milking cows was fun. And Dale Shedden put his big thumb up just like this. There's other people in this room. I I know that, um, you know, there's people in this room that your dream was to farm. And that's cool, you know. I I had other dreams that got me less dirty. But... The point is that none of us, nobody here signed up and wanted to have just an ordinary life. Nobody. Nobody. Everybody wants the extraordinary life. And, and I want to just bring you some things. I know we've been talking about inheritance. And, and I, I really, God has got me in a groove with this. And you're going to be hearing about it for a little while. Because I really believe that there's nothing more important right now than the children of God stepping into their inheritance. I really believe that right now what is stopping us from really stepping into what God has for us as, as a church, as a nation, as individual people, is that we are living outside of the majority of what God wants for us, what he has for us, what he's already purchased for us, what's already sitting in heaven waiting for us to call down. And I am on a mission right now for us to begin to be able to tap those things, to be able to access the room of the treasures of heaven and pull them into this present time and and to see our lives and the lives of those around us transformed by the power of the name of Jesus. There is nothing more important than God showing up. I want to say first... Before I go any further, thank you. Thank you for worshiping today. Could you feel him here? Could you feel the difference when we stepped into worship, when we stopped playing church, when we started being church? God showed up. 
And his power came, and his love came, and his peace came, and his ministry came. And if we can just begin, folks, if this is the first day of the rest of New Life's life, let it be characterized by us pursuing Jesus and his presence. Thank you, Chris, and the worship team for preparing and bringing us to the place where we could engage with the king. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry. But as I've been digging into inheritance and and trying to equip us to step into the things that God has for us, something struck me a couple weeks ago, and I need to share it with you today, and that is simply this, that the Old Testament particularly, but really the whole Bible, is based in something that's so simple, Something that, that's so conceptually, at least, easy to understand that gets us into the blessing of God. And it's obedience. The, the structure of the whole book, from front to back, is about obeying God. If you obey, then, then you have life and blessing, and if you disobey, there's there's death and curse, and, and that is the structure, whether you start with Adam or you start with Abraham or you start with David or you start with Moses or you start with Noah or if you start with Jesus. It's all the same. Jesus would come up to somebody and he would simply say, follow me. And it was up to that person whether or not they would obey the call that God had placed on their lives just now. And, and you know the story, how there's people who've got all kinds of, of um, excuses. You know, around here would be, well, I got to milk the cows at six. Who's going to do the evening milking? Um, it, it would be, you know, I've got a job I've got to go to. I've got all these things that stand in the way, well... Just so you know, Elisha settled the milking problem. He just butchered the cows and had a big old dinner. So if that happened at Dale's house, we would have to, we'd be there a while. Same thing with Ben. We'd, we'd be there a while. And, uh, but see, the thing is this, folks. We've got to understand that there's, there's just this easy pattern from front to back. In fact, the last things, and people, this has gotten folks confused through the years, that at the end it says that we're judged out of the, our works that were written in the books. See, it's, it's about obedience even at the time that the Christians get rewarded or that those that are lost be cast into the abyss. It's based off of what we did, how we followed or did not follow Jesus the best example of all is Abraham. You know, Abraham is, is the father of us all, Scripture says. In, in Romans uh, 4.16, it says, Therefore the promise comes by faith, speaking to us, Gentile folks, those that are not born Jewish, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who have the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. Abraham is our father. 
Abraham was the first Jew, but he became a Jew by faith. And, and what's amazing is that we, if we look at Abraham's story, the whole story is about obedience. God calls him to leave Ur of Chaldees, leave, leave his family, leave his friends, leave everything he knows to go to a land that God says, I will show you. Anyone ever been there? It's a little insecure feeling. I don't know where, you're, where I'm going, but I know who I'm following. I've been there. In fact, that's how I ended up in Canton. I knew I was lost when I drove up, and I saw this thing on my cell phone. And for the first time in my life, it said, no service. And at that point, I needed counseling. Um, And then I thought, you know, what's the point of having a pastor in a place where there's no service? I mean, if there's no service, why should I be there, Lord? But um, anyway, that's a whole other story. Um, But the point folks, is that he leaves everything that's comfortable to follow after God. It starts with God calling him, and it ends with him, God telling Abraham to take his son, his only son, and to sacrifice him as a burnt offering. Now, for those of you who don't know the story, he doesn't do that. God stops him, but see, the point is this. From the beginning of Abraham's story to the end, it's about following Jesus. It's about following after God's call. And because Abraham followed God, because Abraham chose to obey him, he led an extraordinary life. What limits us right now, so many of us in this room, from from. An extraordinary life is following or not following, obeying or not obeying Jesus. You see, I want you to understand, and I know that many of you are doing the math in your head, and you said, well, we're not under the law anymore, Pastor David. That's true. But that's why I brought it back to Abraham, because Abraham wasn't under the law either. The law didn't come till Moses, about 500 years after Abraham. Abraham wasn't under the law, but he was under the lordship, under the kingship, under the rule of God. And so must we be. It is time for us to understand that just because we're under grace doesn't give us an absolution from following what God wants for us right now. If you really read the scriptures, Romans 3 and 31 in the NIV says this. It says, do we then nullify the law by this grace? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Get this. Us having the Holy Ghost, us being baptized in the Spirit, those things only gave you the equipment to be able to follow Jesus. Before that happened, scriptures filled with human failure. The brief history of man's interaction with God would be that Adam plunges the world into darkness when he disobeys God. Noah, though, saves his family and therefore humanity 
when he obeys God. Moses delivered Israel out of slavery in Egypt when he obeyed God and went down to talk to Pharaoh. But then Israel conquers all of Canaan when they follow God and they're obeying him. But in their, in their backsliding, in their walking away from obedience, they end up captive in their disobedience to God and end up slaves again in another nation. But see, I want you to catch something. Then God says something revolutionary in Ezekiel 20, excuse me, 36, 26. He says, I will give you a new heart and put in you a new spirit. I will remove from your heart your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. See, that's what salvation does for us, folks. The amazing thing, what, what, what salvation does is it takes away the stony heart and it replaces it with a heart that's full of flesh. It literally allows for, for God to begin to create something in you that was never there before. And that's his law. Check this out. Jeremiah 31 says this, verse 33. It says, this is the covenant that I make with the people of Israel after that time. Declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. And no longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord. Because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will remember their wickedness. I, excuse me, I will forgive their wickedness. And I will remember their sin no more. You see, when we got saved, and I want you to catch this. Go, go back to the first, to verse 33 there for just a moment. What's amazing is this, folks. When it says that this is the covenant I will make with my people, Israel, it says, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. The law there, and I want you to hear this very clearly. The law there is not just simply just a law. It's Torah. For anyone who knows anything uh, theologically, Torah is the first five books. It's the law of God. It's the Ten Commandments and all of the ceremonial law and all those things. God doesn't just say he's going to put a law in your heart. He's going to put the law in your heart. And that, folks, the, the thing that's going to happen when we allow for that fully to come to maturity is that it acts as a compass to your soul. It allows you to be able to follow after God and follow his leading. That's why there's people here who are spirit-led. Have you ever been here or talked to somebody and all of a sudden maybe some prophet was in the room or, or, or somebody just who, who you sit next to all the time just turned around one day and, and prayed for you and prayed exactly what you needed? Anybody ever have that happen? The reason is because God places his spirit inside of us. We become spirit-led. God literally begins to use our hearts as a compass to move us forward when we follow him. That's why you have to live your convictions, folks. You've got to live them out. You have to follow Jesus' call because that will lead you to obedience. The question that we have right now, is what has God told you to do? And are you doing it? What has God told you to do? And are you doing it? You need to hear this. Because this is the crux of the whole message here. 
you leave Jesus at the place where your faith ends. The limitation of your faith is the only thing that limits God. And, and we leave Jesus where our faith ends. God has no limits. He has no restrictions on his power. He can do anything. He has all might in his hand. He's won every victory. Scripture says that, that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord. And, and yet there's so many things, there's so many times that, that we, as his people, limit him because we've left him at the place where our faith ended. We see this very clearly in the story, story of Lazarus. You know the story, Lazarus dies and, and he's buried in a tomb and, and his sister did ask for God, you know, ask for Jesus to come uh, at least a week earlier. And the dude's been dead like four days when Jesus shows up. And, and Martha meets him. And she, she's talking to him, and she, she says, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. And she goes through, and she says, you know, I know that you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. I know that he'll raise in the last day. She's got a lot of faith. She says all the right things, but the thing is this. She never once said, will you raise him up now? Will you take my dead brother and bring him out of his tomb? And what's amazing is that her faith stopped at all the right stuff about Jesus. He's standing there, and he's like, yes, I am the resurrection and life. Yes, God will do anything I said. You're right about all those things. But then Martha leaves. She goes up to Mary, and she says, the master's come, and he's calling for you. Now check this out. We're going to pick this up right here. This is in John eleven twenty eight. 28. It says, after he, she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and said, the teacher is here, and he's asking for you. Verse 29 says, when Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now check this out. Now Jesus had not entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. Martha's got all the right words, and she's got faith in him, but not for this situation. And Mary has to go back. Check this out. Mary has to go back to find Jesus at the place where Martha's faith left him. It's only from that point that she can begin to pull him deeper. And she sees the him there, and she begins to weep. She falls at his feet. And he says to her, where have you buried him? And they go and they have a resurrection. Now, the question you might be asking is, why, Pastor David, are you bringing up faith when you're talking about obedience? And I want you to hear this very clearly. Because it's a limitation of your faith that determines your obedience. the limitation of your faith that determines your obedience. There are people in your lives, if not people in this room, that you for a while, maybe a long while, 
have been feeling out after God, and you feel like he's just not there. Where are you? Why do I feel alone? You may be asking. What I would say to you is that most often what you'll find is that Jesus is at, and I want you to follow me on this, he's at the last place of your obedience. God is calling us into things. God is calling this church to step into new dimensions of the Spirit. God is calling us as individuals to step out of our comfort zones and become activated in God's calling in our lives. And, and the question that is ringing in, the, in my spirit right now is, are you being obedient to follow him into the next place he wants to take you? I remember distinctly <laughs> leaning up against the counter in my kitchen on Milden Road in Upper Arlington, Ohio. We were in pretty close. It was bad. <laughs> it was a terrible situation at the church. Um, and um, I wanted us out. And so I'm leaning up against my counter on Milden 2063 Milden Road, where we raised our daughters. And I'm sitting up against that ugly Formica counter. All yellow and gold, speckled and ugly. And I said to the Lord, can we leave? Will you let me leave? And the Lord said, do what you want. If God ever says that, don't ever do it. Because I did. I thought I, had, I thought I had green light. If it, if it wasn't quite green, maybe it was yellow. But I stepped out of where I was supposed to be. And I stepped into a whirlwind. And we couldn't put it together for about four years. Because I stepped out of the will of God. I stepped out of obedience. And I stepped into trying to take care of things in my own ability. And stuff blew up. God is waiting for you at the last place of your obedience. What's God talking to you about right now? What's he, what's he talking about? What's he talking about to your spirit right now? What thing is popping up in your mind that you're going, no, I couldn't possibly be that. <laughs> I know how you work. Because I'm just like you. No, that couldn't possibly be Jesus. That would cost too much. See, but the question, folks, is what does God want to bring you into obedience for so that he can begin to bless you in it? See, because he's waiting at your last act of faith. He's waiting at your last obedience to begin to carry you into the next place. Because you're not done, honey. You didn't pass the final exam. 
unless you've been asked to sacrifice your only son, then you might be done. Because at that point, Abraham is finished. But last I checked, we're probably all just in process. If I want to just get all country on you, ain't nobody here done graduated. God needs you to step into obedience. The blessed life, the extraordinary life, only comes out of your obedience to follow Jesus the next step. What is your next step? What is it? Band, if you want to come, you can. If you don't want to come, band, if you want to respond, respond. We've got a CD player in the back. We can make it happen. But this is the thing. What does God, what is God calling you to do? Maybe it's help in Sunday school. I guarantee that somebody in this room is dealing with being helping in Sunday school that hasn't already volunteered or helping in children's church because we almost couldn't put on the program for, you ki- for your kids because we didn't have one volunteer. That's not what I'm talking about, though. I don't care what it is. Maybe for some of you it's tithing. Maybe for some of you it's picking up and dropping your job and moving somewhere. Maybe for some of you it's becoming a missionary or starting a business. My question is not, what is God asking you to do? The question, the real question is, are you going to do it? Because if you don't, you might be saved. You may make it. But it won't be blessed. It'll be hard. You won't find extraordinary. You'll barely maintain ordinary. Because God can't bless where there's no obedience. Right now, why don't you stand and let me pray for you. What's God talking to you about? What's God talking to you about? What's he talking to you about right now? This is what I, this is what I present to you right now. Make a decision. Joshua in his closing days, and you know the story. He's talking to Israel knowing they're going to backslide. And he says this famous statement. He says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And today, right now, in this room, there are people that need to make that decision. What side of the aisle are you going to fall on? Are you going to obey and let God lead you into an extraordinary life? Or are you going to just keep on holding on to your things?
You need to make that decision. But I'm going to pray for you right now. 